Matthew 14, 22 to end. Jesus walks on the water. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But by the time the boat, battered by the waves, was far from the land, for the wind was against them. And early in the morning, he came walking towards them on the lake. But when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified, saying, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the waves. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat, started walking on the water and came towards Jesus. But when he noticed a strong wind, he became frightened and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, ye of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning. Lovely to be with you again. Lovely to be here in God's house, isn't it? Many people would love to be here and can't because their churches are closed. But we praise God that because of hard work, as Ian said, we are open here and there is nothing like being amongst Christians in God's house. And it's what we're, a lot of people are missing and what I crave for and enjoy so much. As we turn to God's word, let's begin with prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this familiar story. But we pray by the power of your Holy Spirit that you will change the written word to the living word, that you will speak to us strongly, that you'll speak to us in our own situation, that you'll speak to this church corporately. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that we will receive a blessing having heard your word and have something to take with us in the week that lies ahead. For we ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen. I'd like to ask you a question this morning regarding this passage that we've read about um, Jesus walking upon the water. I'd like to ask you a question. The question is this. In the Christian life, are our decisions determined by faith or a risk assessment? We're hearing so often today about risk assessments, coronavirus risk assessments, risk assessments in the workplace, health and safety risk assessments. Is the Christian life governed and judged by a risk assessment? Let me set the scene for you. Jesus has just fed the 5,000. While I was on holiday, we went to Anglesey. We just managed to get in. They, they were just coming out of lockdown. And we went, and it was, it was all a bit strange there because they're behind us. 
So the things that we could do here, you still couldn't do in Wales. But while I was on holiday, I read David Suchet's autobiography. You remember the man who played Poirot? And he's a very unusual character as an actor. He's, a, he's obviously a classically trained actor. And of course he got the parts of Poirot and had played it for 25 years. But in his book he was saying how he became a Christian. That he felt the movements of the Holy Spirit while he was in a hotel room waiting uh, to go on into a theater to, to perform that evening. And he said when he felt the movements of the Spirit, he, he got himself a Bible from the side of the hotel room and he read the Bible there and committed there and then his life to the Lord Jesus Christ, which I thought was wonderful. But he did something also absolutely fantastic. I don't know whether you've heard this or not. David Suchet has actually recorded the whole Bible. He has read the whole Bible out and it's been recorded. And when I went on to YouTube, because he encourages you in his book to do that, you can see where he read the Gospel of Mark in St. Paul's Cathedral. And so there you see him standing at the great lectern at St. Paul's Cathedral, and two hours and 15 minutes, he read the whole of the Gospel of Mark without stopping, without saying this is chapter one, chapter two, he just read it as a story, as a whole piece. And I was amazed when I listened to it, how much Jesus crammed into his ministry. In Mark's gospel, he was suddenly and immediately, and it kept changing the scenes. And Jesus was so busy teaching and healing and, and encouraging his disciples, every minute of the day seemed to be filled. And this is a similar situation. He's just fed the 5,000, he sends them away, he goes up on a mountain and he begins to pray. In the, in the meantime, he sends on his disciples to go in the boat across the water, across the Sea of Galilee, and he will meet them on the other side. And it says there in verse 24, while he's at prayer, they're in trouble because there's a storm, a storm on the water and they're starting to struggle and they're right out in the middle. Now, to give you an idea of the size of the Sea of Galilee, it's between six and eight miles across. Now, if you stand at Otterspool Promenade or go for a walk with Ian and the dog and stand at this side of Otterspool Prom and look across to Birkenhead, that's two miles. So you can see how far out they were in the boat. And it was the middle of the night. So it was dark, pitch dark. And there in the midst of that, there comes Jesus walking upon the water. Now you may be skeptical about this, that Jesus could walk on water, but you've only got to reflect who we're talking about here. This is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. This is the Son of God. This is the creator of the heavens and the earth. If he decides to walk upon water, it is no great thing for him. But for the disciples, you see, they thought he was a ghost. And they're frightened to death by seeing him walking towards them. And so Jesus, as he always does, as he did for me at three o'clock this morning, he reassures us, doesn't he? In times of trouble, he reassures us by a simple word, it is I, I am with you. And that gives them the confidence that they need. Take heart. Do not be afraid. 
But it's at this point I'd like for us to look at that question that I posed at the start. Is the Christian life a decision determined by faith or risk assessment? Because Peter makes a strange request, doesn't he? He says to Jesus, if it's you, can I come out there with you? Peter was com committed to the Lord. Peter loved the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter wanted to be with the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus says, come. But then, what if Peter had hesitated and done a risk assessment? Well, hang on a minute here. The weather's bad. That's a risk, isn't it? You know, when you're doing a risk, I don't know if I've ever done risk assessments, you, you weigh up all the pros and cons. So the first risk is the weather's bad. The boat's being tossed about. That's a risk before he thinks about getting out of the boat. Verse 24 says it was being battered the boat and it could have sank and they're right in the middle of the water. It might have been that Peter feared that he would slip and fall as he began to try to climb out of the boat in the storm and all the water. Or he would think to himself, well, as I step out of the boat onto that water, I'm just going to go straight down anyway. So Peter, if he had of weighed up all the risks, you say to yourself, would he have ever got out of the boat? You know, sometimes when you do a risk assessment, you have things that can mitigate it, things that can lower the risk. So perhaps in the fisherman's boat, there was a warning notice that said, please do not get out of the boat in a storm. Or perhaps Peter had had some training. That's a good thing to mitigate risk if you've had the training. Peter had been trained previously how to walk on water. Or perhaps someone else in the boat had said to him, well, listen, I've done this before, mate, I can help you. But of course, I'm not mocking risk assessments. They're important things in society. But here in this situation, and here in a Christian environment, risk assessments only hinder the work of God. Because what happens next is, Peter steps out of the boat. He doesn't take any notice of risk. All he is doing is he wants to be with the Lord and the Lord, more most importantly, and remember this please, has given permission to go. And so out of the boat goes Peter. And he begins to walk towards the Lord. And as his feet touch the Sea of Galilee, it's solid. But then things start to go wrong. Then, as it were, the risks start to come into his mind. But what am I doing? Look at this storm. Am I mad? There's no way this can hold me up. And rather than looking to Jesus, who's given permission to come, he looks at the circumstances in which he is in, and then he begins to sink. If you remember nothing of this sermon, remember this. Regarding prayer, the shorter the prayer, the more immediate the problem. Peter just cries out, save me. He's no time to do intercessions. He's no time to get the vicar. He's got to, he needs instant help. Save me, Lord. 
And wonderfully, the Lord Jesus Christ, even though he's given permission, even though he's done everything right to them, the Lord Jesus knows we are only frail humans and we make mistakes. So immediately Jesus' hand comes out and he lifts him up again and puts him safely into the boat. I wondered about applying that to what we've experienced here at St. Anne's. You know, the PCC, and when Ian first come to this position, said that their vision for the church would be that it would be reordered. But there were several years that interceded that time. Years of prayer, years of um, studying the scriptures, years of discussion, years of wondering how it would be done. But eventually after those years, a decision was made. A decision to step out in faith. St. Anne's Church decided to get out of the boat because you can do all of those things. You can do all of those things, read the word, pray, and all these things. But if you don't back it up with action, it's a waste. St. Anne's Church decided, and the leadership of the church decided, we're going to get out of the boat. And out they stepped. And they kept their eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ. But that didn't mean it ran smoothly all the way. At one time, the money was running out. And they got a legacy out of the blue of £40,000. The Lord said, you've started to walk towards me. I've told you to do it. I've told you to come. You've got to trust me. And the money's running out. I'll provide. And the money was given. And the work was continued. And now we find ourselves here. We've stepped out of the boat. We're following the Lord Jesus Christ. If we were going to do a risk assessment before we stepped out of the boat here, we'd have said all those things. People won't be happy with it. It's going to take so much money. What if the people don't come? What if people don't like it? All of those doubts are brought in, aren't they? But unless you step out in faith, you'll never achieve anything. And so it was. They stepped out in faith, and we've stepped out in faith, and you see what you see today. Praise the Lord. But now the work begins. Those who have involved themselves in the, in the change of this building, there is excellence here. They just opened the shutters to the kitchen there for, before, between services. Excellent. I mean excellent. This floor and all the work that was done in here, excellent. We have tried to, to, to honour the Lord by making this building purposeful, but also doing it with excellence. And that's so important. But it's now that the work begins because we've got this reordered church. We've got Egbeth, the most desirable place, according to the Liverpool Echo, for people to live. And your property's got to get the most, the most desirable part of Liverpool. And we've got this church that's now being reordered. It's now that as we get through the COVID and we can do more, it's now that we've got to put our shoulders to the wheel and roll up our sleeves and say, what ministry can we get involved with? What new ministry could we develop here? How could we reach out to people in this area? How could we show the love of Jesus in a practical way? 
because now there is nothing to hold us back, only our ability to step out of the boat. So I wonder, are you going to do that with me? I'm going to step out the boat. I'm going to do everything I can to serve the Lord in this place. I conducted my first funeral this week. And when I stood outside after the service had finished at the creme, I stood there waiting for the widow and the other mourners to come out of the church. And there, if you remember the way the creme is, I looked out and there's a, there a big flagged area. And all that was on it was flowers with mum or dad or granddad. And I thought to myself, is that what my life is going to add up to in the end? A bouquet of dying flowers. Or will I do something lasting for the Lord? Something that when I go to be with him, I can say that I did something for the Lord, that I achieved something for the Lord. It doesn't matter about academic, it doesn't matter what you did for a living. What matters at the final analysis is what you did for the Lord. Or will your life be those dying flowers? Finally, there may be someone here today who's not a Christian. You've got to step out of the boat. You're thinking of all the things, all the doubts that you've got in your mind. What will people say? I'm a hypocrite. I'm too bad. I never even be, should be in this church. People will laugh at me and they'll mock me. But Jesus is calling you to come. He's calling you this morning to get out of the boat. Because if you don't get out of the boat, you as well will be those dying flowers. That's all your life will add up to. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that Peter got out of the boat. We thank you for his faith. Give us a portion of the faith that Peter had to be able to do what he did. Thank you for all that you have done for us here at St. Anne's. And Lord, the work is only just beginning, but be with us, we pray. And when we fall, lift us up again, because our heart's desire is to see men and women and boys and girls come to faith in our Lord Jesus Christ and see this place full again with the sound of praise. For we ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen. Thank you, Paul. Just before we go into a time of prayer, I just want to pick up on a few things that Paul was saying. Yes, Egbeth is apparently the most desirable area in Liverpool to live, so we're living in a nice part of Liverpool, South Liverpool. It's lovely, isn't it? And we are blessed and privileged to be in this area. And, uh, and we should give thanks to God for the beauty that we have around us, as, as I said at the start. But then um, Elizabeth Rene used to worship with us um, here, and she moved over to the Wirral. Um, which we now have heard is just two hours away over the, over the, over the water. Um, she lived over there to, to be closer to her daughter. But Elizabeth had a, a dream, had a vision, uh, while we were talking about the reordering of this church. And she had a vision that actually there would be people queuing down the road, the path, the pathway that we cleared during the winter, the path on this side that the church set to and cleared last, last winter. Uh, she had a vision that there'd be people queuing down that path to get, to get in to St. Anne's on a Sunday morning to come and worship God. Nothing about St. Anne's, forget that, coming to worship God. There'll be a people in this area 
coming to worship God. That's what we should be about. We should be that hub, that place, that central part in this community where people can come and worship the living God here. And we have a part to play. Paul's absolutely right. We've got a role to play. And it does mean stepping out in faith. But I promise you this. If you step out in faith, you don't do it on your own. Peter stepped out of the boat. He was not on his own. God's right there with him. When you do that, when you do anything for God, he's with you every step of the way. And he'll support you every step of the way. If you step out in faith, God will honor you. That is a promise. And I can speak and I can testify to that. Nikki and I can, can speak to that on countless occasions where God has provided for us. I was a teacher. I had a comfortable salary, comfortable job, lovely home, lovely life, happy as Larry. But God was calling me into this. I did not want to be a clergyman. My dad was a vicar. I did not want to be a vicar. No way did I want to be a vicar. And I did everything I could for six years to turn you the way. Everything I could. I don't mean to turn my back on faith, but I mean to not step out to become a clergy person. I was a committed Christian and I was doing all kinds of things in the church and I was growing in my faith, but I did not want to be in full-time ministry. But eventually, I couldn't ignore the call anymore. And I stepped out in faith. And we stepped out as a family in faith. And from that moment on, God has never failed us. He's never, ever let us down. Not once. And there's been challenges, loads of them. And there's been loads of times where it's tough. There's been loads of times where we've not had enough money for for whatever we need. And yet, it's been provided. I can tell you on one occasion when we were training in Nottingham, I was talking again to Shelley about, they talk about universities for Paddy, about Nottingham. We lived in Nottingham for two years while I was training. We loved it there. But there was one time where our car failed the MOT on the brakes or something, and it cost a hundred and something, 102 pound. And we didn't have it. And I went home. Nikki was, it was Christmas. Nikki was with my mum and dad in Skem. I went back because I panicked because I knew the car hadn't got an MOT. I woke up, one of those, you know, wake up in the middle of the night and went, I woke her up and said, Nick, when's the MOT due? And she went, I've got no idea. I went, I'm sure it's run out. I'm sure it's run out. This is like boxing, the day after boxing day, this is. And so, no, it wasn't, wasn't it? It was in between Christmas and New Year. It, it, it was, no, uh, no, it wasn't. It was the day after. Anyway, I, um, I shot back to Nottingham to get the MOT check it at home, at the house in Nottingham. Sure enough, it ran out. I went, oh, no, now I can't drive home you know, with this conscience knowing I've got no MOT. So what am I going to do? So I prayed, God, you're going to have to help me because I can't drive home, because I'm not insured, I've got no MOT, I need some way out of this. So I went driving round to find a garage. It was the day after Boxing Day, or the day after, or the day after Christmas Day, or something like that. And, um, and I was, which is the day after Boxing Day, isn't it? And I was, uh, <laughs> I found this garage that was open, and I said, I desperately need an MOT, because I've got to get back to my family. And um, is there any chance you can fit it in? He said, you know what, mate, you're in luck. He said, there's a chap who's supposed to come, who's actually just phoned to say he can't come, so I'll fit you in. And I said, oh, brilliant. Phoned Nicky up and said, great, it's in, it'll be fine. And he said to me, it'll be fine, no problem, it looks in great condition. He came out to me and said, it's failed. 102 pounds for the brakes in total. And I went, oh no, didn't have any money. So I don't know why I said this, but I just said, I'll just go back to the house. I don't know why I was going back to the house, because there's no money in the house. I went back to the house, I went through the door, and there was 102 pounds on the floor. 102 pounds that we needed 
Because God provides. That was a miraculous providing of God for us in that situation. And there's been loads of times where doors have opened, where things have happened. Not just us, but lots of people. Where you step out of the boat, God honors. Look at this building. God is honoring us. We have to honor him in what we do now. And you've got a part to play. It's all about relationship. God is a relational God. God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The three triune God are in relationship together. And it's about our relationship with him and our relationship with one another. How are we doing our bit with the people in this community? Wouldn't it be amazing if there was people queuing up to come and worship God? Simple things. And we've got the opportunity right now to show God's love in action. To show God's love to the people in our neighborhood. To be neighborly, to be loving, to be kind, to be helpful. How are we doing that? To encourage others to come. Let's pray together and then we'll sing our final song together. Let's just pray. Lord, as we come to a time of prayer, one of the greatest gifts that we have is prayer. Being able to come into your presence and to share with you. And Lord, it's right as we sit here, as Paul's just spoke about it, Lord, that we give thanks for all that you've done for this church over the years, since 1837, when those doors first opened, and it's still going strong. Father, we give thanks for the men and women over those years who have led the way here, keeping their eyes fixed on you. And Lord, it's our turn, and we pray that we too would keep our eyes fixed on you, that you would lead us, that you would, Lord, lead us further into mission, that you would grow your church here in Egbeth, in this community. And in your name we pray. Amen. Father, we pray for our country at this time. Lord, we know that we're in the middle of this pandemic and people are really scared. People are still suffering and dying. For families who have been affected in any way, Lord, we pray for your protection upon them. We pray, Lord, that neighborly acts of love would say more, Lord, in the way that people do things, would show your love in the way that people act to one another. Help us to play our part in doing that. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And Father, we pray for all those who are suffering at this time, those who've lost loved ones, those who mourn and grieve, remembering particularly John Anders' family, praying for Elsie and Ruth particularly, Lord. For those who are struggling in mind, body, and spirit, I pray, Lord, that you would be very near to them, that you'd lay your healing hand upon them and bring about wholeness and healing in the way that only you can. And all these prayers we lift to you, knowing that you are a God who listens and answers according to your will. Amen.